Good afternoon. God has a tendency of picking up a nobody to be somebody in front of everybody without consulting anybody. Good afternoon. I said that already, didn't I? Okay, I'll say something I didn't say. I'm the calm Christian striving to stay calm. Let me read this again for you. God has a tendency of picking up a nobody to be somebody in front of everybody without consulting anybody. Wow. (laughs) I mean, double wow with whipped cream on top. Do you know who said that? Well, good if you do, because I don't. But I did see it on Instagram. And I thought, that's so classic God, isn't it? And yes, and I saw it on a post of somebody who is obviously uh, is a Christian. There is a lot of good stuff on Instagram. However, there's a lot of bad stuff on Instagram. So you may have to sort through not looking at the bad stuff. And I'm going to leave it to your imagination or private what you quote it what you think is quote bad stuff unquote with in this world you get the you get the real good grass you get the golf green grass and you get the crab grass so you want to try to minimize the crab grass but it'll always be there i think on instagram it's 50 50 there's good grass and then there's a lot of other kinds of grass if you know what i mean so that is so wonderful and i thought isn't that true i mean look at uh Look in Numbers 12, verses 3. Let's see what they said. Sorry, that was my keys. My keys were trying to climb into the Bible. Numbers 12, verses 3. Numbers 12, verses 3. I'm giving you time to find it. Actually, I just lied. I couldn't find it. I've got it. It says here in Numbers, it says, And they said, Has the Lord indeed spoken only through Moses? He has not spoken through us also, and the Lord heard it. Verse 3, Now the man Moses was very meek, more than all people who were on the face of the earth. Wow. What a thing for God to say about a prophet. Isn't that amazing? He says, Of all the people I speak to Moses face to face. Wasn't this the guy who grew up with a silver spoon in his mouth? Was this the guy who killed somebody when he was 40 years old? Maybe he was trained in the court of the Egyptians, but he obviously had morals. And you know the Charleston Heston movie where he finds out that he's a Hebrew? He's quite disturbed by that, isn't he? He's not part of the um, upper elite. He's not part of the Egyptians, as he might have believed. Might he have been told that he was? Did he figure it out? How did he make the connections? I don't know if the Bible really says. But, you know, he ended up figuring out that Aaron and Miriam were his brother and sister. But anyways, it's not something God takes a nobody and makes them into a somebody. What about David? When Samuel came and he said to Jesse, is this all the sons you have? What did Jesse say? Oh, no, there's another guy. You know, he's just... 
tending the sheep. He's, he's not significant. He's not a factor in your decision making. God said to Samuel quietly, go and get him. <laughs> we know how that turned out, didn't it? More good than bad. Here's a verse in Corinthians. 1 Corinthians. It says here, 1 Corinthians 25, For the foolishness of God is wiser than men, and the weakness of God is stronger than men. Verse 26, For consider your calling, brothers. Not many of you were wise according to worldly standards. Not many were powerful, not many were of noble birth. But God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God chose what is low and despised in the world, even things that are not, to bring to nothing things that are, so that no human being might boast in the presence of God. And because of him, you are in Christ Jesus, who became to us wisdom from God, righteousness and sanctification, and redemption, so that, as it is written, that the one who boasts, boasts in the Lord. Is that you? Do you feel kind of at the bottom of the totem pole? I know I felt that many times. I did my best in life, but it just seems like people just got ahead. They made it through the exams. They got better marks. See that dude? He's got a nicer car than me. You know, he's got the girl. I don't. I just feel like a loser, like nobody cares. I don't make a difference. I didn't make an impact. I guess, I wonder, is that why I go to the gym every day? I'm not bragging, I was never a bodybuilder. I mean, my stomach would get nauseated, like I said. And I have learned to go to the gym, and I don't do every set to failure now. I do more pumping exercises. I do try to go hard um, with occasional, like, three reps or even one max rep. Like with the leg press, I wrap my knees. My, my left leg is hurting me. I'm not telling you all this to boast. I'm telling you all this that I'm, I look around today and it's the morning and not as many people are there. It's cold. And I think of what my mother said to me. And I know I've said this before. The race does not belong to the swift. It belongs to he who keeps on running. That's me. I'm the running man. I'm Arnold's protege. Arnold. Arnold belonged to the world. I couldn't even make it into a show. I admire him. I guess you could say he was my, my teacher, my mentor in the physical world, but I don't know him. A lot of guys got into lifting weights because of Big Arnold, because he changed the game, he changed the structure. Because of him, we all don't work out in dark dungeons anymore. My dad worked out in Victanis. You had to go downstairs, and I, I was down there once when I was a kid. It was dark. You couldn't see anything. No TVs running. These ugly iron weights were strewn across the floor. It looked like something like in a dungeon. We will, you'll tell us what we want to know. Or we will, we will torture you. By making you look at these ugly weights that smell bad. They looked like they had absorbed men's sweat. Because they really did not, did not smell good in that place at all. It was all closed up. Hey, my apologies if you work for Vitani's. It was a nice place. It had its time. So what I'm saying is, I'm still going. I'm going to beat the other people who are stronger than me, better than me, younger than me. I'm not going to beat them with my own strength. I have no strength. 
I'm going to beat them being constant and consistent. They can look behind and they're going to see me running and I'm never going to stop running. I don't stop running till I die. There's no such thing as retirement in the Christian world. Do you feel small? Whatever you're doing, are you the best at what you do or the worst? Maybe you're not the worst, but you feel like you are. Can I say something to you? Maybe it means God really loves you. I'm just talking to myself here, right? I'm just, I'm doing self-talk. I just happen to take my cool self-talk and put it on an internet podcast. (laughs) He laughed with a little bit of a madness in his voice. I'm just having fun. But I know God's there. I know my Savior lives. For the Redeemer, my Redeemer lives with me, next to me, and in me. I know who I am and whose I am. So do you, right? Otherwise, you wouldn't be listening to me. (laughs) You got better things to do, my friends. There's better, more entertaining YouTube videos. Don't listen to me. I ain't no pastor, no lawyer, no doctor, no politician, no bodybuilder, no scientist, no nothing. But with God, I'm everything. You too. I got rebaptized in 2019 on January 1, on January 27, 2019. So 0127. And that's what it says. God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. I'm not here to shame anybody. I don't want to step on anybody. And I never liked the church that I came from with everybody talking about this toxic, narcissistic woman that they propped up as a prophet, saying about what book she said and all the things she said and calling people Mark of the Beast and people are coming to hurt us in the future. It was slander and nothing less. That's what you call shaming. I don't shame people like that. You push them up. You build them up. Because you're other-centered. That's what Jesus did. That's what he did for others. That's what he did for God's will. He always exalted God's will above his own will. And he, he could have. He was tempted. The Bible says he was tempted just like all of us. But he never sinned. He never broke rank with God's will. In every instant of every second of his life, it was God's will first, my will, his will second. And you know something? I haven't done that in my life. I put my will above God's will. That's a sin. That's a transgression of the law, the law of love, the law of Christ, and also the law of Moses, who was the humblest, most meekest man in the world. Did Moses write that verse in Numbers 12, verses 3? I don't think he did, but I think God put it in there because it needed to be said. God wanted people to know he uses people who are humble and teachable and malleable. And that's you. And that's me. I want to learn. I want to grow. I want to be better. I want to look at myself and say, what can I do better, Lord? How can I help? How can you teach me something that I didn't know before. God says, call unto me and I will show you great and mighty things which you don't know. God wants to teach you. But if you're full of yourself and you think you're not teachable and you know everything and you're smarter than God, 
and you want to shake your fist at God, he can't teach you when your head is not turned in his direction and you're looking at yourself in the mirror, worshiping yourself like a lot of people do on Instagram or worshiping other stuff, how to get ahead no matter what. Is that, is that the God that we serve? Is that the Jesus that we serve? Is that the God of love who's trying to help us? I know sometimes it seems that God has gone on a journey, but he hasn't, you know, it's just your feelings. Feelings, oh, 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 feelings, like the corners of my mind, feelings. Please don't sing like me because it's really bad. <laughs> it's really bad. Unless you're really talented, then please sing. Put it on the internet so a bad person like me can hear really talented people person sing. I have no talents. I'm Charlie Brown with hair. I read a great story. Maybe I told you about it. It was called Flowers for Algernon. I just reread it just recently. It was beautiful. He couldn't hardly barely write, but they picked him for a scientific experiment. And he is relaying in his diary what they're saying about him. And the guy is saying, look at what Charlie Gordon has done. I mean, it's like you and me learning quantum mechanics without being trained. Look, he's not like, his, he's not like the rest of them. He's trying to grow. Oops, crisis somewhere. Charlie Gordon is trying to grow. He's trying. He's friendly. He's teachable. He wants to grow. And in the story, I don't know if you've ever read the story, but if you like science fiction short stories, you'll love Flowers for Algernon. And in the story, he's given an experimental drug and he gets smarter. But something happens. Something happens. And I won't tell you. I'll let you go find the story. Flowers for Algernon. I think the author is Keys. The last name is Keys. I don't know if it's Daniel Keys or something Keys. I forgot the name. But it's called Flowers for Algernon. You'll like it. He was humble and he was teachable. And Algernon was the name of a mouse that had been given the same serum. But I'll let you figure it out. You will like it. I guarantee it. If you like science fiction stories... If you like a story that moves you, that story moved me. It moved me many years ago, and it moved me just recently. And I said, thank you, Jesus, for letting me read this story. I used to read a lot of science fiction annual stories. Like in the 70s, like, and they were just, you know, sometimes you read a story, it's like, oh, you can't get into this. And then you do get into it, but then sometimes you read a story, and boom, you're there. Baby, you're there. And you just remember that story. I mean, Flowers for Algernon, there was a story about a kid who was talking about a Mobius strip. It was a bunch of people who were so smart in the future, they actually went back into the past and started the human race. That was, it was something to do with a Mobius strip. It was awesome. I can't find that story. I can't even remember the name of it. The Forever War with Joe Haldeman. Have you ever heard that one? The Forever War. Beautiful. Just science fiction stuff, really good, captivating and simple. Anyways, let me read you one more thing. It's reading in the book of John. Let me see if I can find it here. I had it. Oh, yes. John, two, John 1, verses 30, 43. The next day, Jesus decided to go to Galilee. 
he found Philip and said to him, follow me. Now Philip was from Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter. Philip found Nathanael and said to him, we have found him of whom Moses in the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Nathanael said to him, can any good thing come out of Nazareth? Philip said to him, come and see. That's not nice. Can anything good come out of Nazareth? That's kind of mean. I'm reading John MacArthur's ESV translation of the Bible, and he has some notes. He says the following. Nathanael was from Cana, another town in Galilee. While Galileans were despised by Judeans, Galileans themselves despised people from Nazareth. Wow, everybody hates everybody. In light of 7 verse 2, Nathanael's scorn may have centered in the fact that Nazareth was an insignificant village without seeing, seeming prophetic importance. Consult Matthew 2.23. Later, some would contemptuous, contemptuously refer to Christians as the sect of the Nazarenes. And that is found in Acts 24 verse 5. It's amazing how much stuff is in the Bible and you read it and you kind of forget about it. But then someone calls you, calls you, and it says this, Matthew, uh, sorry, Acts 24, verse 5. For we have found this man a plague, one who stirs up riots among all the Jews throughout the world and is a ringleader of the sect of the Nazarenes. Talking about Paul the Apostle. Isn't that mean? So Christians are part of a sect that's what the world thinks. This pesky little sect of Nazarenes. That's how the world thinks of Christians. You're just a sect. Just a bunch of crazy people. And maybe you're not looked upon favorably in your own family. Maybe you're the black sheep of the family. You feel like it because everybody else is in some other weird religion or something else that seems Christianese on the outside. But at the inside, it's at the inside of the cake it's somebody else it's not jesus that's the church that i came from it had a nice veneer of jesus on the outside it seemed very christianese on the outside there was christianizing we were given the bible nobody stopped us but the doctrines the primary doctrines were not about jesus christ it was not about the new covenant it was about the old covenant it was this toxic lady who started the church who probably meant well when she started but it was about pushing her ideas and her ideas were to go back to the old covenant. That's what happened. Her ideas were exalted over Jesus, the new covenant. Isn't that sad? So now I'm the black sheep of the family. Now I'm the guy that sticks out. You know what I mean? It's not about me, folks. It's about Jesus. Jesus knows your name. He knows where you're at. He knows that you're hurting. Why doesn't he do anything, you say? I don't know. It seems that sometimes Jesus just lets us live with our problems. But somehow we get to cast them on him. Maybe he'll take them away. Maybe we'll walk with them forever. Maybe some will go away. Some other ones will come to replace them. Or maybe there's one or two that we'll never get rid of. Maybe it's a thorn in the flesh. If life were 100% perfect, would you really need Jesus? Would you really need God our Father? Be honest in your answer. I can't answer for you. I think for myself the answer would be no. Because if 
if I got everything I wanted in this life, why would I, why would I be broken? Why would I be upset? Why would I be in despair? Why would I crack open my Bible? Why would I look for happiness in God and Jesus in the world to come if I was 100,000% happy here? Why would I do this? Do I really care about relationships that much? Well, before I thought I was a nice person, but I really didn't. I had read chips of the Bible, but not so much as to really care that much. Jesus Christ was just an interesting religious fellow who said a lot of quirky things that who could really verify and who would really care anyways. What has a first century Jew got to do with a 21st century human being living in Canada with a job and problems? Before I would have said nothing. But now I think Jesus Christ is about relationships, other-centered relationships. How to be at peace with God. How to be at peace with others and try to get along with others. And most of all, how to be at peace with yourself. How to love yourself, how to like yourself. Not in an arrogant way, but to be at peace with yourself. How to say, Lord, I don't like my bank account, or I don't like where I live, or I don't like the features of my face, or I wish I had bigger biceps, like Big Arnold, or I wish I was really handsome and good looking, like, uh, I don't know, um, who's a good looking actor that, that women like? Brad Pitt? He's Brad Pitt. What about that other guy? I forgot it. Um, oh, I can't remember his name. George Clooney. All the ladies liked him. Or, I wish I was a really great athlete. Or, I wish I could fight like Bruce Lee. I wish I could do something really, really well. I wish I could make money doing something I love doing. Maybe that'll never happen for 90% of us, 95% of us. But who cares? Because your whole destiny is waiting for you. I don't live for the end of this life. I'm living my greatest life now. Because when Jesus comes, this is only the prequel. It gets better from here. If you're a Christian, this is as close to hell as you ever get. And if you're a non-believer, this is as close to heaven as you ever get. I'd rather be as close to hell as I'll ever get. Because what's waiting for me in the life to come is better than I can possibly imagine. Jesus was the humblest man on earth, more humble than Moses. And you know where he's at right now? He's sitting next to God, smiling down on us. God bless you all.